0: Hi, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special report from Crosscheck Media, where we try to cover as many subjects as possible, especially when it comes to social issues. And my guest today is the head of the Nicole Middendorf Foundation that really tries to bring up awareness to domestic violence. And Nicole has gone through this personally. She has tried to set up this, or she has set up this nonprofit, which has helped countless of uh, victims and, and now turned survivors. But uh, But we have Nicole with us today. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. So Nicole, so your, your personal story, you and I have talked about it and, um, and it, it's, it's heart-wrenching to hear. I, I, um, I, you had to go through it, you and your family, and I'm sure probably the community and, and people that you work with, everybody is involved with this. Do you care to share any parts of this story for the audience?
1: Yeah, so I really learned once at a, oh, I was speaking at a women's conference up on stage as a panelist, And I, I was embarrassed that I was involved with domestic violence. And so I had never said anything, but at this panel, I had asked, been asked a question. I don't remember my answer, but I pretty much alluded to the fact that I'd gone through this tumultuous time and was dealing, was dealing with it, got off the stage. And the woman that was running this women's conference had to pull me aside and like have me go out because the line was like disrupting the next speaker and the next presenter. And I had this aha moment of like, oh my gosh, like I have to be vulnerable. Like I need to tell my story because so many people are dealing with domestic violence issues and it's not talked about. And from the outside, you know, I was doing a radio show, living in a wealthy community. I was working with my significant other you know, we had a business together, two little kids, you know, pretty much the white picket fence <laughs> world. Mm-hmm. But every aspect of it, I was miserable. And I, I, none of it I'd picked out. I didn't pick out my car. I didn't pick out my house. I didn't pick out my career. I'd never planned on being a financial advisor. I'd wanted to go to law school. I wanted to be like Madeline Albright or Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And so on August 4th of 2010, which was the first time that the 911 phone call actually went through, there were numerous times before that um, that I had tried to call and I had actually tried to leave uh, back in 2005 as well prior to having children. But in 2010, the first time the call went through, my daughter was six months old and my son was two. Wow. And it really took it took something happening to my children for me to say, you know, do whatever you want to me but don't hurt these kids. And as soon as I said those words, I'm like this is just so unhealthy and this is so toxic and this is just not okay. And what happened then was proceeded 10 years of court of having to fight and in my opinion be revictimized over and over and over again. And I had to sell yeah. give him the business. I had to give him the company name, the website, the phone number, we had 12 financial advisors and virtually in 2012, I started all over again. And so it was really, it was, and it, but I but I didn't love my career. I'm like I'm like, I'm starting over again, but this is not, and I had to pay all the spousal maintenance and I wasn't receiving child support. And so there's no way, like people ask, well, why didn't you go to law school then? I'm like, wasn't really, don't know how that was an option. Yeah. Kids under the right. age of two. And so that's where I rewrote my bucket list, and I'm like, I, I'm going to do one thing a month for a year, because that will, that will just be a distractor. It'll be something positive to look forward to. Well, when you tell people you're doing something on your bucket list, they, they think you're dying. And so I just started calling it the livit List. Well, now fast forward. We have the LitL.com, and I'm using the tool, I'm giving people the tools that I use for myself to help me get myself back and not feel numb. And the foundation, the foundation, when when the police can't come to your house, they give you a card and it was to a domestic violence shelter. And I called them and, and they, when I called, they're like, Oh, you know, yes, we have you next week volunteering. I'm like, no, not. I had been volunteering for years, divorce, teaching divorce dollars and cents classes. I'm like, no, I'm not calling about my volunteering next week. I'm calling because I now need help. And so I was thrown into this whole world and rather I I really just made a commitment. I said, rather than just like the police coming and handing you a card, I want a support system for people for a whole year. And so that's what the foundation does. We take nominations in October. So we have an event on August 4th, which is the 13 year anniversary. And um, so we have an event, a silent auction. We have sponsors. We have a speaker sharing her story. And then in October, we take nominations and we accept women, men, you know, anyone that really wants and needs help. And the goal is to take these people from being victims to survivors. And so Mm -hmm. for a whole year, we help them. And we, I take volunteers of legal advice. You know, I'm giving free financial advice for a year. Usually there's a life coach or a therapist, maybe a therapist for the kids, um one of the women right now is officing in my building for a year for free she's a business owner and just was losing her business with everything going on and so it's more or less i asked them what do you need <laughs> and we're going to help yeah. you with that for a whole year and so the concept is is to really give that strong support system so that women and men can really think and make good solid decisions because There's so many things that I regret and so many poor decisions that I made throughout the process because I wasn't thinking clearly that still Mm -hmm. affect me to this day. And so for me, it's really helping people and surrounding them. And what happens after we get to the end of so we're getting now closer to the end of the year with these women, we just met halfway with their coaches. And, you know, this one woman this year really wanted to focus on nutrition and health. So we got her a trainer. She did acupuncture. She worked with a boxing coach. She's now on my Peloton membership. And so we're helping from all aspects. But when we get to the end of the year, we then bring them to a salon, they get a makeover, and then I take them to the Mall of America with a thousand dollar shopping spree. So the concept is, is to give people a new life and a support system Mm -hmm. for a whole year.
0: That's great. Well, I mean, first of all, the, your story, I mean, you are an inspiration because you've recovered. To the point, I guess, of at least the optics show that you that you recovered, but I'm sure behind the curtain, there's a lot that um, that is still being ironed out. Is probably probably the right way to say. Uh, I want to go back to your story though, because I when I was doing the prep work for this interview, I was going through and looking at the numbers. One in four women go through this something of of a violent nature with an intimate partner. One in nine men go through the same thing, and truly astonishing. Um, I, when you would see stats like that, that just, it's terribly alarming because now I'm now after hearing your story, I know I'm going to be going out and just look at people and just really wonder, okay, the optics might look great, but what's really going on uh, behind closed doors In your case there, Nicole, what, what was, I mean, did it start right away? I mean, was it, did it just gradually get to that point where you just hit that breaking point? I know you mentioned that when your children were involved, that really put you over the wave to actually do something about it but was it an immediate thing or maybe you could just say answer that yeah. for me
1: no I mean I was young like I mean that's what I tell both my children who are teenagers now I'm like your brain is not fully developed until you're 24 don't don't make any <laughs> life-changing decisions without consulting someone and so, so I, I was young I, everything was super fast like that's where you know now being now being single like I, there is no way I will ever go fast. Like it needs to be nice and slow. So we met right. in college and, you know, within six months we were together and just boom, it was married, bought a house. Like, you know, he took my car, bought a different car. Like the the type mm-hmm. of person or personality is that controlling nature and they isolate you from the world that you knew more or less. And really like, that's why the whole livet list and everything that I did, like i I totally lost myself. Like I, I stopped traveling. I stopped working out. I stopped doing all, I stopped writing. I stopped doing all the things that I love because you become like this foreign person and the things gradually increase over time. I mean, it gradually, it gradually gets more dangerous. It gradually gets more controlling. I use the analogy of, you know, if you, if you take a boiling pot of water and you toss a frog in there, that frog is going to freak out. But if you take a, a pot of water and you have a frog in there and you gradually turn the temperature up, frog has no clue. And that's how it is. Like you don't, you don't see it. And eventually there's some moments, like there was a big one in 2005 where I was like, this is not normal. Like, and, and that's what, anytime I have a doctor's appointment later today, anytime I go see the doctor, what do they ask you? Are you safe? And I always say like, thank you so much for asking that question because it was one of those times where it got me to stop and pause because there, you need those moments where you're like, this is like, this is not normal. Like, it's not normal to be at a grocery store and everything's all like, oh, yes, you just heard it on radio. And then you get in the car and the car door shut Mm -hmm. and this monster comes out. You're like, this is not, this is not normal. And that's really like, Yes. It, the incident that happened with the kids was the light bulb, but really the light bulb for me was I started keeping a journal and I started marking the days that were really bad. And like the amount of times that I was told horrible, awful things. And so looking at that journal, I was like, this is just not okay. And I, I was pregnant with our daughter and I was, I was trying to get, there were so many times that I tried to get out, but you're 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 trapped, and that's the thing. Mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. it affects so many people. And and now as a financial advisor, it's really making sure and making that awareness with my team, and from an from a level of you know if, if people can have that control dynamic in finances, that's one of the areas you know I'm all about. How can, how can we help people? How can we find the signs? And there's a nonprofit organization, Maria's Voice, that I work closely with because their whole focus is. You know what to look for, like when someone's gonna have a heart attack. Years ago we didn't. And so their whole big push is what to look for in a relationship, or like for your employee or like your friend or your neighbor, like when they start saying things or you know, if some if you have if you're in a relationship with a friend or a coworker, whatever and they start canceling on you all the time, it's one of the things to cause pause, or if they start making excuses for things or rationalizing things. And so it's bringing Hmm. about that awareness of the people that are in your life. And it's not, domestic violence is not something that like, you're going to be able to make a change immediately. I mean, that's the thing, like, because I'm so sensitive to it. There's neighbors that I know of, there's clients that I know of, and you just have to keep asking the questions and really being like that doctor, when you, you know, the nurse, when you go into the doctor's office, like, do you feel safe? Is there anything I can do? because everyone has their own timing. And unfortunately, um,
0: well, th- let me ask you this. How has it impacted future relationships or um, your professional networking? I mean, I'd imagine there are severe trust issues that you would have.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like I, I was raised to be super trustful. <laughs> and one of my really good friends from, from high school met me and he's like, through all of this, don't lose how trusting you are. And that's the thing. Like I still am that in, in my core value, I was raised to be so trusting. And so that's where I, I still catch myself. Like this happened again the other week. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, how, how was I so trusting in that situation? And so I do find it interesting. Most people do have major trust issues after this. It affects my relationship from the standpoint, the best book that I read was The Sociopath Next Door. And I really mm-hmm. like, Anything from psychology or like mental health or like any of that stuff or like how, how to stop the cycle of abuse. That's been really my focus with my kids is because one of the things I never understood um, was that the stuff that happened to me was not just new. This was generational. And so once I learned that, I was like, it is my job as a mom, it's my job as a human being, as a friend, as a daughter, whomever, as a citizen, to help stop the cycle of violence so that my kids don't become victims or don't become abusers. And so it's all about having healthy, you know, like I have these conversations all the time with my kids, like healthy boundaries, relationships. And, you know, my daughter, she's a teenager, she's got a boyfriend and It's fascinating because they've been dating now for eight months. And so she's having this conversation with me of like, how do you feel about this? Mom, how do you think about it? And I know another teenage girl that's going to ask their mom how they feel about how healthy their relationship is. And so it's opening those doors and having those conversations.
0: So the Nicole Midendorf Foundation is going to be held on August the 4th in Minnetonka. Can give us a a quick one minute on this? How can people sign up? Uh, What exactly can people expect at the luncheon?
1: Yep. So they can go to NicoleMiddendorf.com. They can sponsor, they can donate, they can nominate someone for the foundation for, for next year. They can donate silent auction items. We're looking for people to attend. The biggest thing is it's getting great people together for a cause to network and to learn and to be inspired. And so we're also looking we have women business owners that are here that have, you know, jewelry or clothing or food or whatever and so we're also looking still for some more vendors as well.
0: And I assume that stupid question but men are invited as well.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, right. Any, right. Anyone and everyone is welcome.
0: <laughs> well, it's definitely a worthy cause. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So I I understand what you're doing and um I am terribly sorry to hear your story though. I I mean, we've known each other for years and just can't can't imagine you having to go through that and um I, it's just it's terribly sad I'm, I'm just so happy to see that you have at least your trajectory is is moving higher and, and things seem to continue to look better for you day in and day out so so that is good so um any final uh, thoughts nicole for the audience
1: I would just say out of the worst things come the best.
0: Okay. That's great advice. That's for sure. All right, Nicole. Well, we're going to leave it there then. So again, the luncheon for the Nicole Midendorf Foundation will be on August 4th. Go to NicoleMidendorf.com for more information. Thanks again, Nicole. We appreciate you being here today on Check Media special report on domestic violence. Take care. Yeah.